Hello, my fanist friends. Welcome to my podcast feed. Powered by ACAS Plus, here's a joke from my son. What did the bum say to the other bum? That's a bummer. You know, not for everyone. Uh, so, uh, look, thanks to everyone who's come to see the previews of Can I Have My Ball Back. It's been going really, really well, and uh, I'm really pleased with how the show's turning out. It's officially on tour now from Wednesday. I'll be at the Leicester Square Theatre. A couple of tickets left. Lots of press coming to that one. It'd be lovely to sell out, but there are a few other London gigs not selling as well. So if you're going to come to London... Maybe look up those other London gigs. And then this week I'll be in St Albans on Thursday, Gloucester on Friday, Chorley on Saturday, which is sold out. You can join the waiting list. And Glasgow on Sunday, two shows. I think the earlier show is sold out. Check with the venue, but the later show has some availability. Come along if you can. If you enjoy these podcasts and like them being free, then the great way to pay me back is to buy a ticket to a show or buy a download or a book from gofasterstripe.com. But you can just keep listening for free as well. That pays me back also. So, you know, no no pressure. But I'd love to see you there. If you just know me from the podcast and don't know me as a stand-up, I'm pretty good as a stand-up. It's a good show. I think you're going to enjoy it. It's only made about seven men faint so far. So, you know, are you brave enough to take the challenge? Let's sit back, relax and enjoy whichever podcast you're listening to now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a man who has returned to where he was spawned, almost, not really, because I was born in Yorkshire. It's Richard Herring, I'm in Somerset. Hello, welcome to uh, Richard Herring's lo-fi Somerset transmission podcast. I've, I've come back to Cheddar to see my folks, forgetting that I'd already arranged uh, to do a podcast today. So we are doing this double remotely. Chris Evans is in Wales. I'm in Cheddar in Somerset. My guest, who knows, could be in the Caribbean. I've no idea where he is. Um, and so it's great to be back in Cheddar doing this uh, from my childhood home. Uh, though I was talking to uh, Jeff Quigley down at Maunders on Barrows Road. I generally was. I went for a run around the reservoir, bumped into the, the man who I went interrailing with in 1987. Uh, and uh, he looks a lot older now. But I think I look the same. Uh, and it feels only like only yesterday. We hitchhiked around Europe together, and that was insane. We were babies. We were so naive. Anyway, he calls it Rahalastapa, so his daughter apparently listens to the podcast, so hello. <laughs> and she can't believe it when I mentioned Jeff Quigley and my stuff, so there we go. So I am back in Cheddar, uh, and uh, it's very nice to be here. It's kind of apt for this week's guest because this is where... 
it was in this house that I first became aware of this week's guest. So that's quite exciting and first saw him and where I became obsessed uh, with uh, the work and the show he was in. Uh, so it, that's quite apt. Uh, but I've, also, it's good to be back seeing my parents. I haven't seen them for 18 months, so that's kind of weird. There hasn't been an 18-month period in my life where I've not seen my parents in the flesh. Uh, and also, as I'm writing a new series of Relativity for this autumn, it's pretty good to get back to see them because I need material. And I got material because they'd been watching um, that programme, The uh, Naked Attraction, and they were all going on about how terrible Naked Attraction was. They couldn't believe it. Uh, and then Dad said, it's on tonight, apparently, and th as he circled it in the Radio Times. Uh, and they were sort of pretending they didn't know what it was. They're going, what has the world come to? And they started telling me about the games they played as teenagers, the dating games they played as teenagers in the late 1940s, one of which was called Buzz Off, uh, in which uh, there'd be four couples and one spare person. <laughs> and then they would kiss in the community centre. I don't know how, how much they would kiss in their couples. And then the man, the spare one would come up and t tell one of the guys to buzz off and take over. I mean, this is swinging. This is worse than Naked Attraction. And then my mum also said they played a game called Winky which I thought now it's, now it's getting pretty hot. Uh, but uh, that was about winking at each other. A similar thing, there was one spare guy. I don't know, I don't know if the, everyone had to bring a spare guy or just there was one guy who didn't have a girlfriend uh, and then they winked at each other. It was, all, it was very sweet and casual, but apparently my dad first managed to kiss my mum by saying they'd been going out for a few weeks and they were walking together and he said, shall we play Buzz Off? Uh, but they were alone, so, you know, that just meant... Shall we go and have a snog? I've learned things I did not need to know about my parents. Um, uh, there, there was, she was my mum told me a big story about my her grandma in Christchurch Priory wanting to go up the tower. She wasn't allowed to go up the tower, but then she snuck in and went up the tower and got to the top of the tower and then looked around. It was amazing. Went down and the door was locked. And then she went back up the tower and she prayed. And when she went down the tower, the door was open again. And she said, that Jesus had opened the door for her. What I want to know is how did she know Jesus didn't lock the door in the first place? And B, you know, what's Jesus doing hanging around churches locking and unlocking women up? Uh, that There's also a miracle at Christchurch Priory where a beam was cut too short when they were building it. And then when they went away overnight, they came back and the beam had magically was the right length and had been installed. And again, that was Jesus. But Jesus spends a lot of time just hanging around in churches doing pranks and stuff it seems so uh, it maybe it was jesus maybe it wasn't but uh, it's i'm getting a lot of material for my show i have to say anyway let's crack on uh my guest this week is probably best known for playing lawrence didcott in the show bonjour la classe alongside previous guests um uh, and now my mind's mind gone but Rebecca Callard thank you I've just remembered Rebecca Callard was also in Bonjour La Classe and that's how interesting will you please welcome the incredible uh, absolute hero of mine it's Nigel Plainer ladies and gentlemen here he is hello Nigel hello hello how are you hello. doing Bonjour Bonjour La Classe what are, you, what are yeah. your memories of uh, Bonjour La Classe oh I, I love doing Bonjour La Classe I kind of uh I worked with the with the writers Smith and Kayam. Yeah. Um quite a lot to make that to make that character. They just came to me actually with a page which doesn't often happen. Yeah. With a page of of, of the thoughts of this French teacher. And it, I just identified because I'd had a French teacher like that. I just love that the over enthusiastic 
teacher yeah. who says, you know, now I want you all to be very kind to Botney today because his his parents are separating, so nobody bully Botney today, okay, and thinks he's done Botney a favour. <laughs> oh, good. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad you recall, recall it fondly. I did watch. I, I watched everything that, that all of you guys did in those early days. I was obsessed with. With comedy, so I do, I do remember it, and uh, it is. Do you remember Rebecca Callard being in it, being one of that? She's gone on to be a pretty successful actor. I think she was playing one of the students. Rebecca Callard. She's oh yes, yeah. I've, I keep bumping into quite a few of them. <coughs> Brian Dick is another one, right. very, very uh, brilliant guy who played Ernie Wise in that in that play about Eric and Ernie. Right, so oh, great, yes. With Victoria Woods play, and uh, he's been. I've, I've worked with him a couple of times since. Right. All those kids who were just like the school kids. Yeah. You know, you meet them quite shortly afterwards because, of course, people grow up so fast. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Rebecca. And uh, it was good. There was a lovely scene at the end where the school orchestra uh, is is gathered and there's a, they had the whole, the actual school orchestra. Yeah. And Lawrence is singing too enthusiastically along the back row. Uh, as, you know, the teachers who would always sing in the very, you yes. know, very, very high <laughs> voice and really put their full energy in and um he sort of trips and stumbles and it's a lovely shot we could only do one take he stumbles and falls forward on the whole row of bassoons or you know the the brass section who fall forward and i and he literally falls down three four rows and the entire orchestra are flattened because it's (laughs) like dominoes and it, that was good. I'm not good on stunts, but that was that was such fun to do that. Yes. Well, we might get there are a few stunts uh, I, I recall, but yes. So let's talk about our our, our uh, relationship with each other, which is not. I mean, I was a, a just I was a huge fan of all the uh, the 80s comedy, and that was for me all of especially the young ones was. Um, was sort of my punk rock and and that was the the epiphany for me i'd love python and all that stuff and i've been into that but the young ones was sort of our our generation's thing that made it made it look like comedy might be a possible thing to make a career of but uh um but i we very early on Stuart and i met you uh, once we'd started yeah. work professionally, and I'm, I remember do it. you remember what the, so i'm struggling to remember what the project was i at the I think, I've been thinking about it since I knew I was coming on here, I think it was for a project that was, ended up being called Wake Up With. Right. That was about Jonathan and Libby Hughes, which was myself and and Susie Blake. Right. And we were, it sounds very prescient, this. It was like a, 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 a Richard and Judy couple. Ah, right. Who are having a divorce, and her ex-husband is the producer, played by Stephen Moore. And um, they've got to carry on with their show um, because they are the daytime TV. They do a show called Wake Up With. It's based on a book that I wrote with Terence Blacker or Terence Blacker wrote with me called Let's Get Divorced. Um, (laughs) And um, with two smiling people, you know, I had the, the hair and the looking very, very sort of healthy and sporty. And... They they want to get a divorce and they, they that'll ruin the show. They can't they can't get divorced. Yeah. So they just, they invent this thing called positive divorcehood, <laughs> and they decide to produce a book and go out in public, going you know, hey, it's okay being separate and yet together. You know, <laughs> yes. 
of and this was this was a long time ago nowadays that doesn't seem so surprising does no, it no uh, often uh, anyway we yeah. we only got to make the pilot right. of this thing um for ITV i think and um unfortunately it didn't go to series and uh, maybe because you didn't write the script. We didn't write it. I'm not sure. I think uh, my memory is that, and I remember very little about it, but I remember it about being something about a, a panel show, and this might have been someone else as well, that, was, uh, that you were going to be a judge or something. It was like a Judge Judy sort of thing, I think. It was, it was, that is what I remember. Ah. So It was with a, a producer sure. called Jamie Ricks, wasn't it? Do you remember Jamie Ricks? Yeah, it definitely was Jamie uh, Ricks. Yeah, yeah. that's why I remember. Yeah. And it was an office in the Riverside Studios. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and you guys were sort of fresh out of university. Yeah. And I don't think you'd even done your sketch TV show. By no, we hadn't. It would have been we probably probably had done on the hour and done, maybe done a bit of stuff on the hour. Again. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, so we were right. Maybe not even on the hour. I don't think right, maybe we were not. even in. Uh, had done on the hour because that was it was very early we did like and a, on the hour was the radio version wasn't yeah, it? yeah of, of the day to day yeah 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 no you'd probably just done it on the hour yeah. anyway jamie ricks was producer and he the reason i thought it was that let's get divorced type thing um was because he was the producer on that right it might be that I don't remember a judge thing <laughs> and then whatever thought, happened um, it, looking it, at you we on, didn't on, we didn't work together we, wikipedia um i thought oh so they took that idea then and made a whole tv series out of it that's what always happens uh, with with your what was it called richard Rich, judy. This, this morning richard not judy yeah which it was that was yeah, that yeah. was just very much used, slightly different yeah it was just using the format yeah. of a morning show to do comedy yeah. really it wasn't really uh, about uh, richard and judy themselves um I had some great uh, teeth made to play this <laughs> right. presenter guy. Uh, very sort of big, prominent front teeth so that he could smile with a big tooth smile. And I had a, a, a sort of blow-dried under wig. Right. And he'd wear kind of white suits and casual... Sounds good. Well, you know, again, but that would have been, and, again, pre... It's sort of like where Alan Partridge is... Not quite Alan yeah, Partridge, but it's where the, his latest show is sort of headed into that. Pre-Alan Partridge, yeah. yeah. And... and I I remember because at the time I was um, very um, I was in the news a lot and I you know I got I got recognised a lot in the street and sometimes it was a hassle sure and uh, and I could put on um, the, he was called Jonathan Hughes this character I just put on Jonathan Hughes teeth and wig <laughs> and used to wander around in true kind of whoever is it Brad Pitt style yeah. you know I'd wander around looking like. <laughs> Richard Maidley, and it was, uh, <laughs> it was, it was again, it was a good adventure. It was a good fun to do. Oh, well, that sounds incredible. I, I, I mean, I wish I'd been involved in it, and I wish it had gone to series because it sounds amazing. Uh, I then the other time that our lives crossed, I spent quite a lot of time uh, in one of your houses, uh, and because oh, yes. I you, was, you said, yeah, yeah. I was well, dating. Tell me about that. I was dating uh, someone who was trying to be a writer, and she and she started doing a writing partnership with your wife at the time she was my girlfriend at the time and your yeah. wife at the time but i think uh i think you were selling the house because maybe she wasn't going to be your wife for very much longer uh but i we right. i would go around there and they were writing a sitcom together and i'd go around and sometimes i was sort of script editing it so i sort of went and helped a little bit 
And then my girlfriend ah, at the time was saying, know. Yes, "Oh, know. you know, you're looking for a house. This yeah. house is this house is on the market. You should buy this. You should buy this house." Was it a big house? It was a pretty big house. It was sort of a. a it's, I remember it being a square around a little courtyard, sort of in Kingston or somewhere like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, no, I know exactly the time you're talking yeah, about. So, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. But, and that's all accurate. And and she, you say she was a would-be writer, but she went on to become an incredibly successful she writer. She did, yeah. yeah. Didn't she, she did. Kelly? Yeah. Um, and she wrote um, uh, something Mr Banks. Yeah, Saving Mr Banks. Called? She's written some amazing Saving stuff. Mr Banks, yeah. she wrote. And at the time, she showed, because I was... A, a friend of hers before she met my ex-wife right. and she, she used to come round when I was living on the boat and show me all these things she'd she'd written um and they were all doable ideas you know yeah, what I mean yeah. that she hadn't developed yes. they were all things that you could actually say no we could you could develop that yeah. you know and didn't she go to America and get she went to America she wrote of... a big uh sci-fi Thing I can't remember what it's called, but it was like a huge hit. Yeah, she. I lent her and some money, she, and she came back and said, "Oh, I don't want to. I don't want to work there. I want to come back yeah, to, yeah. to England." Yeah, she's. Yeah. I think she wrote the film of Fifty Shades of Grey, though she wasn't very happy with the way that turned out. But, oh, that's right. Yeah. I knew. So she you know, she's gone on to be much yeah, more successful. Yeah. But I read in the paper that I don't know if it's the same house, but the house that I knit, that I thought about buying. Uh, the the tide came in and covered the garden, and uh, the, I read an interview with you about your property. Ah, uh, that's a different. Is there house. a different house? Oh, that's uh, right. I thought. Yeah, no, I thought no, she you... tried to stitch me up because <laughs> you know it wasn't. No, no, that was uh, that would at the time it was a very stressful time <laughs> right. uh, uh, because I wasn't earning much money, and we we bought this place that was on one of those little islands on the Thames, right, and. We were trying to get planning permission, and it had to be put on stilts, and the tide came over the garden. Right. And it, it was it was a sort of financial disaster for us. Right. We just didn't have enough, uh, you know, you'd need a lot of time and money to make something like that work. Yeah. It was a bit of a romantic decision. Sure. And so I extended more rather than pulled back <laughs> and <laughs> bought the house that you're talking about right. and, and did it up. It was very nice in, in order to, in order to make up the because uh, it was a uh, it was in quite a bad state, right? And we did it up in order to make up the losses on the on the. So at the time, I was having two properties and renting until they were livable in, right? And I was working in fringe theatre um, <laughs> at three hundred and fifty pounds a week. Oh my goodness! But I thought, yeah. That was a, that was quite a tough time. Yeah. To, to to sort of have the strain of that. Yeah. Sometimes. Well, but glad... it came out good. It, oh, it came out good in the end. Yeah. You know. You sold it in the end. I'm glad I didn't bump into you then, stressed out and unhappy and. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Me saying, "Who's this? Who's this drinking? Who's this in my house? Get out of my house!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good. Well. um... There's so much to talk to you about, so let me have a look and see what where we're going to go. Um, I'm sort of always, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm always fascinated about uh, 80s, the 80s comedy circuit, um, yeah. and uh, you obviously were a huge part of that in the sort of early days of the comedy store with uh, Peter Richardson uh, in a in a double act. How did you, how did you two get together, and and what was what were those early days like for you of, of sort of go? I presume you were working as actors, but then tried out comedy as well. Well, 
No, not no. quite. In, in fact, I've been speaking to Peter a lot uh, uh, recently. We we stayed in touch, but I've been we've been actually been having long conversations, trying to remember those times recently. And the strange thing is that he remembers a completely different <laughs> sequence of events from me. He, I had our first meeting down at one place. He had it somewhere else. He's whole years have disappeared, and he remembers things that I have completely forgotten. So everything I say about it should be, you know, it's all subjective. Of course. I didn't realise how memory is like, it's like a muscle, isn't it? It's not a, it it's not actually a bank <laughs> where the memories are kept. It's just an instinct and a feeling, isn't yes. it? But as I remember it, um, we met at the, at Glastonbury Festival. Um, okay. He lived, he was barefoot at the time and living in a van. And I was just an ordinary... He was up on the hill at Glastonbury, and I was down among the the mould, the fungi of all the tents. Yeah. And uh, it was the early... I think it was the first time they'd had the pyramid. And uh, we had a mutual friend who was a, a, a an antique dealer who also had a van up on the top of the thing. And, and we met... And it was... He had been an actor. He'd been at... Uh, drama school I'd been a dropout I was originally an actor in my teens and stuff sure. and then I'd been a dropout of university and then I'd been traveling and then I was uh, uh, sort of nowhere and um, decided I wanted to go to to drama school like I'd originally wanted to do but hadn't done sure and uh, I was just really pleased to meet on that kind of scene that I was on um, someone who knew, you know, who knew who Captain Beefheart and Frank Zappa were, yes. but also knew who Chekhov and Ibsen were <laughs> okay. because, you know, it's uncool. It was, it was not the coolest thing to say, I want to be an actor chap, when everyone really just wants to play lead guitar solos and be stoned. That was the... the, the that was the scene. Yeah. And um, so it was nice to meet him. And we kind of said, oh, we'll meet up again next year. And I went and worked. His parents ran a, ran a sort of summer school farm for, for kids whose parents had abandoned them over the summer. Okay. Like sort of ambassadors' children and God knows what. Yeah. In Dartmoor, in the middle of Dartmoor. And he said, do you want to come and teach on that? And I said... Yeah, all right. Um, teach what? And he said, "Oh, it doesn't. You know, <laughs> that doesn't matter. Um, we'll make some films and do some improvisations. The kids love that, and so that's what we did. And I, I lost eight kids in the middle of Dartmoor and had to be rescued because <laughs> I wasn't very good at the orientation <laughs> part or the sports part or anything. Yeah, but that's how we we kind of." That's how we connected and we, we started improvising and doing funny stuff right. then. And then when I... He helped me, actually, with my... I had an audition for a drama school for Lambda. And I showed him my auditions because he was the only other kind of actor person I knew. I didn't know it was possible. And so I got a place in the drama school and it turned out that he parked his new van, which was a big van with a drum kit in it, where he where he was now living, a big uh, Bedford lorry outside this antique dealer guy's house, which happened just so happened to be just round the corner from my drama school. Right. 
So of an evening after college, I'd go into his van and we'd start. That's where Neil comes from right. and that's where all the characters we did and that's where our act came from. Right. We, we devised a show called Rank. Um, and with with Pete Richards, who turned into Pete's Peter's partner, Pete Richardson and Pete Richards. Yeah, it's confusing. But at that part time, we met Pete Richards, who also came to sort of write and direct our show, Rank, which was about the Windsor Pop Festival. Right. Which the police, uh, you won't remember, it's probably before you were born because it's <laughs> nineteen. When were you born? I was born in nineteen sixty-seven, so I think it was after I was born, but. Yeah, but you're about four. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And the police um, took the opportunity to sort of create a riot and clear the the thing out of Windsor Park. And that was the theme of our story. Right. And my character from Fistful of Travellers Checks, Paul, the, the Mandrax freak from that, it was is the sort of main linking character in that show, okay. Rank. And he was looking for his daughter, Julie, but then he kept falling asleep and smashing people's guitars and stumbling through the the festival. Yes. And on the main stage were all the acts. And Peter was uh, one of the presenters. He was also playing the chief of police, plotting to destroy us all. <laughs> and uh, And... He introduced Neil. That was the Neil. Neil was the one of the acts in that in that show. Right. And he reminded me the other day. He said, "Oh, do you remember that time after we'd been rehearsing? We took over a, a whole house to rehearse and improvise in Ashburton, in Devon, mm. and to make it soundproof, we moved all these straw bales up into the to, to the." Uh, you know, in, into the room so that we could have the band in because we had a, it was a rock show, you know. Yeah. And, um, and so we got thrown out for the fire risk. <laughs> so we had to go and rehearse in this little barn up in the middle of Dartmoor. But um, yeah, he said, "Do you remember? It was here in this. In we were in Ashburton, right. which is where this place was. He this was recently. He said, sure, don't you remember? The one thing you wanted to cut when we were rehearsing it was." was Neil because wow. you thought that it was sort of just pathetic it was a stupid act <laughs> and he thinks it's because the band stopped laughing when I first did it the joke is quite obvious yeah. you know the, the joke of Neil saying I'm going to do a couple of songs for you and they're both pretty bad so I'm going to do the worst one first so the second one won't seem quite so bad that, that sort of routine yeah and when you first do it in rehearsal, you know, the band all pissed themselves. And then after sort of three or four rehearsals, they stopped laughing. Yeah. So I lost confidence. And Peter said, OK, we'll just give it one. Just give it that first gig and try it. And of course, um, that was the best thing. The audience <laughs> loved this character, Neil. And so Neil was in. But wow. it, I was really kicked. Yeah, I was throwing it's sort proper, of amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, fits, you know. Uh, sorry, sorry. I'm, I've got a slight delay on the on the thing, so sorry for talking over you there. Um, it's I, I just thought it was amazing how many characters might have disappeared, you know, from the comedy lexicon in the same way. The things that you you pull out of and that one pulls out and goes, "Oh, I don't want to do that," and it could have gone on to be something amazing. It's sort of cr- yeah, crazy yeah, yeah. to think of how much is lost and 
by just by that because it is very difficult that period where you're going is this even funny before you've put it in front of an audience it's very easy, yeah very easy to pull out well and also you could uh, you <coughs> could put it in front of the wrong audience yes we had a character that made us uh, me and rick and aid when we were preparing a young ones tour we had a we all sort of put in it wasn't just young ones we'd put in lots of other characters to 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 do the first half of the show and i invented this character mortimer vaughan who was very steve coogan type character who was an entertainer um who'd had enough and his wife had left, and he was smoking a fag and he had a comb over and a big i happened to i don't know why i had a big pink frilly shirt you know down the front like a steve coogan can't remember that character he did. Yeah, yeah. But this guy, Mortimer Vaughan, really, he was a singer, and he was just, he's like, oh, he couldn't, he just couldn't uh, manage the gig. And he's just sort of going through the motions and saying, ah, oh, sing a song and all that. And somebody call up, when are we leaving? And all that. And, uh, and then he had a heart attack. In the, and he said, no, oh, 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 no, no, that's, no, seriously, that, no, honestly. And he, he's, <laughs> he's on the ground saying, no, seriously, could you call an ambulance? <laughs> like that. And we just thought it was so funny in the rehearsals. And we tried it out first night in a very big venue. Yeah. In Manchester, I think it was, or Sheffield. And they just thought, this is shit. <laughs> the, the audience just thought, what's the, the hell's funny about this? He's just some old <laughs> ass, you know, yeah. having a heart attack. What's so funny about that? It was like, um, and then he had to be dragged off, I think, like a la Tommy Cooper yes. under the, 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 the curtain. <laughs> but it's one of those things where, I mean, we had three weeks of rehearsal where we thought we had an absolute winner with that one because we we were pissing ourselves <laughs> and that he only got one outing but if he'd ever been maybe if it had been a little pub theater and it could have been intimate and they could have seen what he was going through and he started you know saying it was all his wife's fault when he was dying and you know he was down with his heart he he was very i thought he was funny yeah. but it was just the wrong audience to try him out on yes yes well, it's, it's interesting. There's a lot of, there's just a lot of, there's some, there's a lot of luck and chance. And, you know, you've got to come up with the ideas. And yeah. clearly you guys were shooting out ideas at that point. You know, it's incredible to think you were making up within that show you're discussing that you were sort of, you know, creating things that would, that would come to fruition in all those comic strip shows. And, and, and obviously everything else that follows it's, it's wonderful when you have that, that, that level of creativity, I think, isn't it? And it often happens when you're young and, uh, you know, just starting out, that you just ideas are spilling out of you, which they clearly were then. Um, and and so you took you took you took these. That was obviously like a, a touring show. That, that that then what sort of drew you to to going to do that in, in sort of chunks at uh, the comedy store and the comic strip. Uh, you mean the uh, rank? Well, yeah, you and Peter uh, then. The, would, the, yeah, would, that show, yeah. that Peter show. Yeah, we did that at the Roundhouse. Right uh originally just just a couple of weeks the roundhouse downstairs one summer when everybody was up in edinburgh okay so we we uh, got all the audience and the and the journalists who hadn't gone to edinburgh and so we got an awful lot of uh coverage right. for this the one show that didn't go to edinburgh sort of thing and uh, we got an arts council grant for some rather sort of uh, um, I don't think we did half the gigs were on the list 
of gigs we were meant to be doing. And we bought the PA. This was all against my better judgment. I mean, Peter was very sort of, what's the word? Just went ahead and did things right. without really consulting anybody. Okay. I don't know what the word is for that. <laughs> he just said, oh, just, you know, we're going to do that. That's what we're going to do. And he didn't really, uh, he's quite, I mean, you must know, or I don't know, maybe you had an absolutely charmed double act. I wouldn't say. With Stuart. But <laughs> it, it, it's every, but there isn't a double act that doesn't have, you know, some kind of feistiness of course, going yeah, yeah. on. And, and um, you know, I'm sure I was uh, a pain in the ass as well. But we, we, it was quite difficult Yeah, uh, dealing with what's he done next. Do you know yes. what I mean? Anyway, we spent the money on a PA. And as it turns out, he was right because that's the PA we then went on to use at the comic strip. And, we, you know, we couldn't afford to buy a sound system when we went to the comic strip. Yeah. But we had this massive rock and roll sound system okay. that we'd spent our Arts Council grant on. Um, and we just, I still had nightmares of the sort of the big door closing behind you when you went back into the Arts Council <laughs> and the door would close and they'd say, where's our two grand or whatever it was, you know. Where's the money gone? Um, you know, but, uh, and we took it on tour with a with a rock band and we supported... It was meant to be a theatre band show, you know. Yeah. But we, the only gigs we could get supporting, we supported Motorhead. <laughs> we supported um, <coughs> ACDC. Blimey. Uh, we supported, who else did we go on for? I can't remember. It was like a university's tour. Yeah. And we were playing, we were playing about 30 characters with full costumes and everything. Right. Quick changes and God knows what. And... We put some some of our own songs in. It was a mess, actually. By then, the show was a mess. So we left it, and we it, it, it was a bit of a... It didn't really work, right. that second incarnation of this show. And then uh, I had to get... I didn't have an equity card, and at the time, that meant you couldn't work yeah. properly. So I went off and got some some jobs... We didn't see each other for a year or two, and then I saw the ad for the for the comedy store saying we're going to start up the comedy store, and I tempted or bullied Peter to come down with me, and we used, in, instead of having costumes and characters and a rock band and a, all those other expensive things, we just said, let's just, you and me, we'll just go up with a microphone, we'll just do what people think, I mean, that's, that's what you would do these days, yeah, isn't yeah. it? But in those days, to say, well, we can do the whole thing, <laughs> just us. You know, yeah. we'll just do it. And, and if we, if you want to shoot me, I'll go in the neck. I'll go like this. So we'll just use some crap mime. Yeah. And we'll do the whole thing with crap mime, just ourselves. And we did Space Invaders, Piss Take of Space, you know, the, those little I do remember uh, games, one of the early games. And we did uh, ACDC 10, <laughs> which was uh, a hijacking story right. of a man. Who shoots somebody? It was sort of movie spoofs, and we did Stars. Uh, what was it called? Starsky and Bitch. Yeah, <laughs> two guys jump driving down through San Francisco, bumping on you know a car chase. The way they're all going up and down. Yeah, yes. Because yeah. San Francisco's got the streets like that, and they were obviously very in love. Right. Starsky and Bitch, and we did. Are you being severed? <laughs> which, <laughs> which we ended up doing on on. 
some TV show that was called something like Friday night and Saturday morning or that sort of, it was a late night yeah, chat show like, yeah. where they had floating uh, hosts. Um, so one week it would be, nowadays it would be, I don't know, a comedian and then it would be Jeremy Paxman would be the host right. that week or whatever. And it was a woman whose name, I'm sorry, I've forgotten, but she was a round-the-world yachtswoman. Okay. And she was very sort of attractive and blonde and uh, well well presented, you know. And she said, and now <laughs> Nigel, Plainer and Peter Richardson are going to perform Are You Being Severed? And it's two uh, villains done in the sitcom style. So one of them's going, ding dong, ding dong, and he drags in a body, going, oh, oh, sorry, sorry, Nigel, I don't know, what should we do with him? And the blood goes everywhere. He says, oh, I didn't know he was going to be a spurter. Maureen will kill me. Um, so they saw up the body, and they're, and they're sawing off the knob. And every time there's a sort of really, really gross bit, the camera cut back to this poor round-the-world yachtswoman, with a sort of fixed grin going, ha, 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 And I had lines like, you know, oh, yeah, I'll pour, would you pour me a stiff drink? And I don't mean I'm going to dabble my knob in it. <laughs> sort of jokes like, jokes like that. It was yeah. sort of sitcom in the style of, it, it, was, it was just Sopranos in the style of a sitcom, yes. you know. And... Uh, this poor, I don't, can't remember her name, but we put her through, it was, it must have been hell for her, <laughs> sitting through that. But yeah, so we had a sort of high-energy crap mime double act yes. called The Outer Limits. Yes. And, and it, as it developed, we, we started doing solo bits in it. So there was Neil's act, and then Peter did Ken the photographer, the disgusting... Um, fallopian tube photographer right. and I'd play sort of page he was a page I played a song I wrote a song called page three girls to to play while he did all this he was playing a horrible horrible photographer yeah. man. and um well, there's quite a lot of there were different things and gradually once it was at the comic strip it became such a set show it was no longer the and, the and and the generation of material sort of gradually stopped and it became that show right. four times a week or what or whatever it was and did it as you were doing this and as the comic strip was taking off and the comedy store was taking off did you feel like you were at the center of something that was was going to be as big as it was because obviously not everyone became huge TV stars, but many, many of them did, and, and, and many still had fantastic uh, stand-up careers, even if they didn't make the TV. Did it, did it feel like something revolutionary was happening and you were going Yeah, it, it did. I yeah. mean, it, Linda Sale, Alexi's wife, always says, oh, you know that thing where there's always a party that's, that you'd think, oh, I wonder if it's better at that party there's always a when you're at a party yeah, yeah. You think, i wonder if there's any better than you know grass is always greener sure. and she said the brilliant thing about that period is we were at the party yeah. you know we were at the right party so it did have that feeling but i didn't know anything about the power of television i just thought i'm at the party i always wanted to be at this is 
you know, this is the stuff I want, this is it, I'm there where I wanted to be. But I didn't realise that when something goes out on, te you know, the, the, the implications of that yeah. and the publicity, which is what everyone asks about, like, oh, did you know how powerful it was going to be or how important or all of that? And I was completely unaware of that. It was, I mean... Because it's a surprise, isn't yeah. it? If some, you know, if what you like turns out to be <laughs> what everyone else likes, then that, that was surprising. Not used to that. Yeah. Well, I, you know, with the young ones, I just remember, I mean, so few TV shows came along that were aimed at what felt like, you know, a teen, I was a teenager at the time, but, you know, there'd been, not that I got news, but that had been, that had probably been four or five years before, you know, it had been several years before, and you're yeah. waiting and waiting, and I knew this thing was coming, and I knew about uh, I'd, what, I, I was. I was a big fan of Kevin Turvey's by this stage, you know. So I knew that Rick Mail was in it, and I knew, and you know, I knew, I knew a, a bit about the about the rest of you from what I'd seen by you know finding those shows. But it, there was a real excitement about it before it even began. So you know, it's, it was it was sort of it, it felt like everything came together, the stars aligned for that show, and that it was. And so many people of my generation, so many comedians of my generation, that was the that was sort of the moment for them where they, where that kind of went bang. This is, this is our thing. We like Monty Python, but this is our thing. <laughs> and this is you know, yeah, and this yeah. feels possible. You know, it just I think that's that it just made everything seem possible. The thing that I wanted to ask you about the young ones, and I've never really quite got to the bottom of it, is that clearly, the Mike character was was written. For Peter Richardson, it seemed to me, and yeah, and yeah, yeah, he didn't end up playing it, and that was, with the greatest respect to Christopher Ryan, but that was for me the the the, the character that in the Youngest even as a fourteen year old, I was thinking there's that there's something that doesn't quite work about it. Um, why did was it was it was it his decision? Was it Peter's decision not to? It was a oh, it's a it's yes, it's quite convoluted yeah. story. It's it's to try and sort of uh, 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 shrink it down a bit, um, Peter was like the... the saw himself as the custodian of the group. He'd created this group. He'd taken us from the comedy store to the comic strip. Yeah. And from his point of view, um, this was his group. It was a cult. He was the leader. That's right. That was, that was what was going on in his mind. <coughs> of course... Paul Jackson, producer, had been down and seen us at the comedy store, not not necessarily at the comic strip. And there were a lot of TV people coming, and there were a lot of TV shows. There was even one called Bookham and Risk It, which is a horrible... Imagine signing up saying, yes, I'll do that, Bookham and Risk It. Yeah. That's terrible. Yeah. Anyway, there were, there were lots of people trying to, to get a slice of this new stand-up explosion, yeah. this new comedy explosion onto television. Um, and we did a show called Boom Boom Out Go The Lights, um, which was Paul Jackson. Um, and Peter and I had been to see him. I heard tell of him, and we, we he gave us an interview. And when it came to do the show, he he didn't want to book... Adrian and he didn't want to book Peter. Right. He he wanted to split the double acts right. up in the way the BBC does. But it wasn't just that. To speak on his defence, he had only a one chance at it yeah. 
because they weren't going to give him everything he wanted first up. He was only, you know, he was only... He said, he said, oh, I'll do you two shows, and one of them was, I can't remember what, was a more digestible, normal BBC show. Yeah. And the other one, I want to try these new comics from Soho, from the, from the comedy store. They weren't going to let it spread all over the place. No. So he felt he had to take the sort of the peak moments and cut them together. Um, and and it, fair enough, you know. Yeah. He then did a second one, and he did include Adrian, and he included Peter. But Peter was well miffed at the idea that the, that double X should be split up. Right. And evidently, I didn't know this, but later there was a thing where Paul had said he was interested in the whole comic strip, but he didn't want the girls. Right. No, I don't. I, I don't remember that. But, and Peter was saying, no, you either take what I say you take, yeah. which is all of us, or you take none, because he's, that's the sort of, it was a personality clash, sure, sure. I think. You've got Paul, who's the ultimate sort of practical, do what's possible now, get a foot in the door, then do the next bit, then do that, and, and somehow we'll find a way through. And Peter, who's got this attitude of, unless I can have 100% the integrity the way I see it, yeah. I'm not doing it. Sure. And those two, uh, I get caught between the two and, and I, um, I'm very lucky because I get to do both. Yeah, you, you know what I mean. I get, I get to, I get the goodies from both of those because yeah. I'm, I'm sort of sympathetic to both sides of that argument. But um, and anyway, sort of, there was a falling out between Paul and Peter. That's that's really. I mean, I'm, I, I can. I'm just going back over what I've said right. now. Is anybody going to be offended by what I just said? <laughs> well, it's tough. I mean, that, that's how I know, I but saw it's sort it, of, anyway. it, you know, I, I sort of assumed, yeah, I sort of assumed it was something along those. I, I, uh, Paul was uh, very influential in getting um, our second lot of uh, TV shows going. So I've got, you know, I've got a lot of respect for Paul, but I also do love uh, what Peter's done. So I, I can see, I can, I can, yeah. I kind of felt that might be it. Was that, was it, did it put a strain between you two, though, that you ended up doing it and he didn't? Yeah. So it was, it was... Yeah, it did, which is why it's so good. Recently, yeah. we've been having these long conversations, kind of memoir-type conversations, yeah. and we've been through all this material, and, you know, we've stayed very, cl you know, very warm yeah. and close, but it did at the time put a, put a, a, a wedge between us. Sure. Um, and I always felt I was... Ah, I suppose that's another matter. Yeah, but it it did. I mean, and Peter was well miffed, and but he he now also sees that if he had played that part, he wouldn't have been happy. He wouldn't have been good at it. It wouldn't have suited him. He did. He likes making films. Yeah, he likes doing two or three takes, getting it right. He likes the artifice and the and the you know the control that you had that the artistry yes. in a film. And the idea of just cutting something together to get the joke done. Yes. It, it, Peter would, would have just, he would have freaked out. And then putting a live audience while you're trying to cut it, which is what, of course, a live sitcom is. Yeah. You've got an audience and the camera, the visions are mixers trying to get all the different cameras. And Peter would have just had a meltdown doing it. Yeah, like that's, that. interesting. that's interesting. That's interesting. Because I can, you know, I can completely see him doing it. And I, and I think... And and hitting the right, it, you know, it it did work, and that, but it, but as it was, of course, um, 
But I think that's interesting that possibly, and I hadn't considered that, that possibly the wrong personality type in there could have blown the whole thing apart as well. You know, and a very well, strong personality in that part could have actually destroyed the... the yeah, show. I mean, that's, we, 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 a lot of other people were considered. Um, and I think, actually, we got lucky with Chris Ryan. Mm. I think poor, poor guy, he gets people like this podcast going oh yeah well he was the wrong guy wasn't he <laughs> for this major job that that he's done he's an incredibly funny man um he was the one making us all laugh sure. he's 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 very very funny and if you think what a what a, a a thing to be thrown oh here's this part we've all been working together yeah. for sort of five years now and we know each other's ways and we've all written each other's parts and know each other's jokes and we're all kind of really thick with each other. Do you fancy coming and being the other one who hasn't really been quite written properly yet? <laughs> do you want to, you know, what do you, what do, you, do you fancy that? And um, I, I personally think if he hadn't done it the way he did it, yeah. I, I think we, we would have lost a lot. I think if we'd had another wild and crazy guy, sure. I don't think it would have been as good. I think he's actually the anchor for the whole thing. Yeah, I You know, it's... It's rather like if you watch Morecambe and Wise, you laugh at Morecambe, Morecambe, Morecambe. But if you look at the same routine again and just block Morecambe out and look <laughs> at what Ernie Wise is doing, yeah. he's a genius of of suggestion. Yeah. It's, what he, it's what's in his eyes and where he looks, and then he looks over there. And then it's just, he's, he's just willing it forward. Yeah. And I, I see Chris like that. Is he's... He's just kind of making sure that we can all be as funny as we are. I think, I do think he's he sort of saved the day, really. Sure, I can, I can, I completely see what you're saying, and I, I, you know, it does. That's very interesting. I think just like as a as a fan of you know, the the comic strip and all that you guys have done together, I guess there's just as a fan of it, and you know, as a comedian now, I know how annoying this stuff is as well, and I know how annoying fans are when they go, "Well, I didn't like that one as much as this one." Um, so I understand all. I understand both perspectives of it. But uh, yeah, I think that's. I think maybe what what jarred was that the the, the 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 other three of you, you know, that he probably was just trying to find his place in it as much as anything. But you're right. I think it did it did work for the for the character. And why would a cool guy? hang around with those it's the sort of Fonz question is it why is the yeah. Fonz hanging around with all those idiots in Milwaukee why why was Mike if someone had done that and, and made it even cooler in a in a in, in any sort of way yeah, a real cool yeah, way. yeah, yeah, it, would have been, yeah it would have been yeah. wrong as well so yeah jewelry isn't a gift you give just once it's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Man, it's such a good series. I wanted, the thing I wanted to talk to you about, and I don't want to talk about the other ones too much because there's so much else to talk about. Um, Paul Putner, who was in a lot of my stuff, uh, was, wrote a very oh, nice yeah, piece yeah. about uh, going to see the Bambi episode. Uh, and then Nick Revel, yeah, which was yeah. lovely. And Nick Revel, he was in the audience of it. Uh, Nick Revel, um, the comedian, then tweeted and said that after that performance, you and he had gone for a curry and been attacked by some guys. Do you, do you remember that? It's, yeah, I certainly yeah. do. It wasn't... Um, well, this is memory yeah. again, you see. It was a Greek, not a curry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's very important. It's very important, yeah. <laughs> Because it was right by the the uh, BBC studio, it was at Shepherd's Bush, yeah. and um, it was uh, my stepson was with us too. Right, it wasn't just me and Nick, and some guys came up and uh, drunk, and they later said at the court case that they thought we were other somebody else, right, or something. But then that made it okay to come and punch me in the face right. and headbutt me and. Oh, and you know, uh, generally beat us up. And Nick, Nick ran over the road and phoned the police, which was a sensible thing to do. Because uh, in those days, you didn't have mobiles. No. You had to go to the phone box. And I managed to, my stepson, I said, look, <coughs> run the other way. And But it, it, it could have got nastier. There were three guys. One of them was very big. And they had... Um, uniforms on okay. of a, secure, a very well-known security company. Okay. Which, uh, when we reported to the police, that little fact got obliterated from the report. Okay. Strangely. Nice. I don't know why or what was going on then. Mm. But they were uniformed employees of a very famous security company. Right. <laughs> Fucking, excuse me. Yeah. Anyway, um, we were rescued by... Dave Barton, who was the special effects guy. <laughs> He's now sadly uh, died, but he was a, a Scotsman, a very, very, um, you know, one of those people who's very highly energised and everything's going to be, everything's got to be uh, sort of a, a, in, in second gear driven at 40 miles an hour in second gear. You know, yeah. he's always on. And he he was a great bloke and he saw he was from Glasgow and he saw over the road he was coming to the Greek too <laughs> and he vaulted over the middle thing in the road yeah. jumped over and came and headbutted the guy and floored him right. by which time the police arrived and arrested Dave Barton <laughs> so it was a good evening yeah. <laughs> and then Paul Jackson arrived Making sure everything was emollient as usual, you know, he was he was in charge. Yeah. It was he did well, and um, we were in the back of a police van because wow. we were then all taken back to the station. And um, in the police van, 
they were all going, oh, heavy to me, and <laughs> quoting from the young ones. That's how I remember it. Now, Bambi, <coughs> that means Bambi must have been in the second series. Was it? Yes, it was. That would was... completely ruin my story if, if Bambi was in the first series, because it hadn't been out. Yeah, I'm sure it was. It's, if it's in the second series, yeah, Bambi's in the second I'm sure series. I'm sure it was. It was, I mean, it's sort of the classic episode. It's, it's you know, yeah. out of all of them, there's so much great stuff in that one. And again, the, port, the, the the thing that Paul revealed in his write-up was, I think, was the the eclair falling onto you all oh, yeah. was, happened yeah. live, and you did you get quite badly yeah, did you get yeah. quite badly hurt from that as well as the <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they all they all have a go at me for being such a hypochondriac. But the point is, I'm taller than all of them, so I took the full weight of the eclair, if you see what I mean, and it was. It's a good, you know, 20-foot-long, three-foot-high bit of sponge, which landed on my neck. Yeah. yeah. So you had that, and you thought, well, that's my bad luck for the day out, and then you walked out and were head-butted by yeah. a man in the street. Yes. And then had your catchphrase yeah. thrown at you. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, well, look, what, Well, one more thing. The time's rushing by, but the other thing about Neil was obviously the... the the pop career, which meant that you ended up being at the recording of Do They Know It's Christmas? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. I got yeah. a call from from Sir Bob, who wasn't Sir Bob at the time, was he? No. no. Um, saying, come along, we're going to do this thing. And I, um, I didn't want... It seemed to me... I was quite purist about these things, and it, it, it seemed... I was quite well informed on, on third world... Uh, matters yeah. because of my I did that was what I'd studied at university even though I dropped right. out um, and it seemed to me that being coming along in a comedy character somehow it wasn't I I'm, I always found that in the in comic relief in later days as well that you know that was fun wasn't it and now let's look at some now let's look at some poor children with flies on their eyes. Yeah. You know, it, I always found it sli slightly jarring. Yeah. And so I thought, I, I got there and in, in dressed as Neil. <laughs> and I sort of chicken out and thought, I'm not, not going to actually go in and stand in the row and <laughs> sing Feed the World, let them know it's Christmas, even though they're Muslims, you know, <laughs> or whatever. It, it, it did seem a bit, it also seems <coughs> a bit, I don't know. It's, nowadays, I think it would be investigated, wouldn't it? The the, the tone, the colonialist tone yes, of the of the event yes. would nowadays come under some scrutiny, yeah. I think. But then the intention was very good yes. anyway. And so I just hung around in the studio and filmed the sort of the making of stuff. Right. There was a camp camera guys going around the side. So I didn't do the singing bit. And um, we did a... Routine, me and Status Quo did a routine in the in the gents <laughs> for the cameras. I don't mean a routine in the gents, the way it sounds. <laughs> but we did some, I can't remember what we did. But, yeah, so I messed about yeah. and, and sort of led the making of okay. crew through, yeah. uh, which seemed to me more acceptable than being a comedy character. Yes. Trying to do something serious just didn't quite 
seem to be yeah seemed a bit condescending you know I, I you know i think it's it's a trade-off isn't it? it is i can see both sides of it but i, I sort of do uh, veer to what you're saying and I, I think you're right about that though it would have been great to have neil saying thank god it's them instead of you doing that line with neil <laughs> <laughs> it would have kind of ruined the song it would have been great I mean, it, yeah, it wasn't great yeah. the way whoever did it. Anyway, look, I've got uh, so much more I want to talk to you about. Uh, and um, th- th- what, I've, what I've really loved uh, recently on Twitter and uh, YouTube is that the Nicholas Craig stuff has sort of resurfaced. And I, I'd, yeah, I'd yeah. almost forgot. I, was, I, was, I, I think out of all the post-Young Ones shows by any of the Young Ones, I think that's the, the best one and the best, the most successful one, I think. I think... It, it, it was it's a, it's a very difficult act to follow, but because it's so different and it's so well observed, and the book was great. I remember getting the book, and the book was great. And then the, did the series come after the book? Did the series come out of the book, or was it? Yeah, the book was first. Yeah. The book was first. Yeah. So yeah, how did, and then the one man show, and then the series, and then radio, and then the TV series. Because they're all on, on they're all on uh, YouTube now, and, and people are, are tweeting them quite a lot. Most of them are. Yeah. I'm not sure if they're all okay. on, but uh, most of them are. Yeah. And what what was the what was the genesis of of that? Was that was it just was that one looking into yourself a little bit and and taking the piss out? Of yeah. Yourself? Well, it was it was because out of the comic strip and the young ones that were no longer sort of. Uh, the pressing, you know, there was no longer you've got to do this and you've got to yeah. do that. The demand was slightly fading. And I thought, all my mates have got their own TV shows and they're all doing, you know, they've all, they're all doing the same as what we did before. French and Saunders yeah. and Rick and Aid are doing this stuff now. Everybody's sort of moving onward in the same direction. And I seem to have, it seems to have not been that. And I want to, what was it that that was good? What have I done? That, what what was good about what I did? And I thought it was because ne- Neil was came from my own uh, um, failings or whatever, you know, my own past, living in a squat, traveling to Asia, uh, uh, overland, <laughs> with no money, and generally, um, and the drugs, um, <laughs> you, you know. Yeah, and so Neil came out of all the people I'd met during a period of my life, and the and the sort of a satirical comment on, say, Windsor Festival, which I thought was a joke. You know, um, I thought it was a terrible thing, yeah. and um, and so I thought, well, what is it that I've ever done that that, that you know? Why don't I go back to how I laid a good egg, rather than try and exploit the egg I've already laid? Because sure. I. I tried to exploit Neil, and it ended up being a bit of a, you know, I did a record, I did a book, I did a tour, and and it ended up being a bit over-exploited and became slightly a parody of itself. Sure. And I, I, I thought I'll try and make it like Barry Humphreys and make him go into sort of hippie superstar or something. And it, it, none of that really worked. No. And so I thought, I'll go back to the genesis of this. And what have I been these last few years? I went to drama school. I get very, 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 very sort of uptight about people not taking acting seriously. And that's, <laughs> they all used to tease me and the young ones and say, oh, you know, you're the, oh, you're, you're the, you know, I used to throw actor hissy fits right. and be very actorish. <laughs> and, you know, one one day we were filming with, with, um, Lemmy from Motorhead in the middle of Devon somewhere, and the call was at 
5.15 in the morning. And at 5.15 in the morning, they'd all been drinking the night before, but I was a proper actor. And so I got an early night in and learned my lines, like you do. Yes. And at 5.15 in the morning, I was the only person there waiting to go. Even the driver, you know, was hung over and, and fast asleep. And then down the stairs came Lemmy, who obviously had drunk more than anybody. He was the only other professional <laughs> actor in the whole film. And uh, so I thought I'll go back to doing, you know, w w the genesis of it. What, what, what made this work? And I'll create another character. And, and so I, I, I thought up this character, Nicholas Craig, and then I met... I wrote some stuff for him. It wasn't quite spunky enough. And I met um, Christopher Douglas, who writes Ed Reardon right. and and Bard on the on the radio. Yeah. And he's very much knew what I was talking about because both of his parents and step parents, all all actors and in the business, he'd been a child actor. Right. He was the cheeky waiter in Crossroads. <laughs> Um, you know, he knew that he knew the scene, yeah. and w has a very, very sharp, vicious, you might say, wit. You know, he's he's really cruel. Yeah. The the more cruel stuff comes. You know, he's he's very, very acute. And um, so we teamed up and and wrote the book, and he gradually it became more of a a performance thing for me. Originally, I wasn't sure I was even going to be the performer right. of it we were just one and then as I became the performer of it he became the writer and director of it and we shared the creativity but but so um and we ended up doing those tv things yeah again god knows how they allowed us to do that we had to do them rather like the young ones we had to do them through a different department right young ones had to be done through variety that's why we had the bands because the budget yes we couldn't get into into the comedy department, and with Nicholas Cray, we had to do it through news and features, <laughs> because it was real from the Late Show, um, the Late Alan Yentob's Late Show, where they did cultural yeah. comment, and uh, he he first appeared doing a a, a, a sort of so cultural comment, I think, about the Wogan Show, right, and we wrote that first sort of piss take of of how to behave on a Wogan show. Right. Um, if you get asked, you know, you have to say, for me, I think that for me, and you show all the extracts of all the actors who've said for me yes. on, on Wogan. <laughs> and, um, and from that, with the same producer, Caroline Wright, we sort of developed it into this, these TV series. Yeah. It's all, well, I think it's, you know, it probably stands up better than, you know, it's very hard for comedy to work twenty or thirty years later. I think, anyway, you know, and, and uh, the young ones is still worth watching, but it's, but it's, you know, it doesn't have the same excitement. But I think the 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 Nicholas Craig stuff, it just feels just as fresh as it. it, it that could easily have been made. Oh, that's brilliant! You know, it's lovely, but it's lovely Thank stuff. It's, yeah. it's, it's, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's, maybe it's. A, a, a bit in for for people in the business possibly but i don't i think yeah. I, you know but i don't think it is because you broaden it out i think people are more literate now yeah, aren't they? they they're are. more screen literate yeah. with it and everything and i think just the, we made a decision not you know to be as in as we could because we thought we're never if we do like a harry enfield um 
spoof of an actor. He'll have to say darling a lot, and he'd be and it, let's just do it exactly how we feel the people we actually know. Let's do it for real and. <laughs> And, you know, it, it might not sell as many tickets yeah. sort of thing, but at least we've done this thing that's that's kind of authentic. Yeah, no, it's, it, you know, it, that, it really is authentic. It's, you know, it's the lovely way always, you know, this false modesty of not wanting to take over the, the oh, yeah. <laughs> And they go, no, 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 no I can't. No, no, no go, on, right. Nick. go on, Nick. <laughs> they've all been told to say it. No, it's, it, it's absolutely lovely. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, I think I was saying this to you before we, we came on air, but I think what, what, what I always admire and what I always sort of hope for in my own career as well is to sort of just the longevity of keeping on working and doing a variety of things and, um, uh, you know, and, and always being there. And I think what's when you look through your whole career, um, I mean, you're still working now, you're still writing now, and you sort of seem to be churning out plays uh, now, which is fantastic because a lot of people uh, would sort of rest on their laurels. But also, you've you're both, you know, you've worked with you were worked in the show, uh, films like Yellowbeard, where you're working with uh, some of the Pythons, and and but you've also worked with the the next generation. Uh, along a lot you've been in a lot of um sitcoms i mean you're in brazil as well of course which is absolutely fantastic um carry on columbus as well but you know can't have everything which is not so absolutely <laughs> fantastic really, but still well. exciting to be in the carry on you're still you're in that genre but you you've managed to you know to to find a place uh throughout all of this career and and still be kind of hit you know hitting the marks and, and coming up with stuff and 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 appearing alongside you know the, the stars of today as well which is you know isn't true of everyone well that's that's brilliant to say i found a place that i don't i don't i don't feel that no. but now you've said it i probably will that's <laughs> just fantastic it's very it's a it's incredible you know i think often with this with doing this podcast i'll have people on and either they're newish and i haven't i haven't seen everything they've done or they've been going for a long long time and you you, you're not necessarily aware of everything, but when you when you look at someone's career and go, oh my goodness, you know, and I think some people do just coast or they they give up or or the career gives up on them, and I think with you, it's they, they, you know you're always, I mean, you've moved into musicals, uh, you've uh, we, I mean, you were always doing. I know you'd understudied uh, David Essex in uh, Evita, so you were always that was always there. Um, but um, but also like that playing parts in that other people's sitcoms. You're in Death in Paradise, which is my kind of guilty pleasure obsession that I. Uh, it is a guilty yeah. pleasure, that isn't it? It's that was I really enjoyed doing yeah, that best. one too. Well, I keep on mentioning. I it. did a Father Brown as well. Oh yes, that's another uh, that's another guilty pleasure. <laughs> play. It's nice to play. I like it when I get offered kind of seedy characters yes. to do, and those are both really untrustworthy seedy. <laughs> CD kind of old school types, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, and you've that been. Was, that was fun. I mean, uh, there's there's so much I, we, I want to try and get in. I'll try and get some of it in. But um, you've been working with Aid Edmondson again. So you did uh, Vulcan yeah. Seven. Yeah, Vulcan. We wrote a play. Yeah. We took it on tour, um, and we've now done a rewrite, and it's now called. We've changed the title. Right. It's now called "Is Heading Straight Towards Us," okay. <laughs> um, and it 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 worked just the day before the lockdown last year. Yeah. We did a reading. We realised we're a bit too old to play those two main characters now, okay. and also the two of us acting together made it a bit um, 
young onesie, the audience expectation sure. was that there'd be a lot of shouting and farting and things. So we got some proper actors in to play the parts for this reading okay. um, to see if we could get it on in the West End. And we nearly, we were talking about it and then the lockdown happened. So I don't know, I hope that gets picked up again. It's called, it's heading straight towards us. We had um, Tony Gardner oh, great. Um, and Samuel West. Oh, I love both. Samuel West was playing my part, right. and Tony Gardner was playing Adrian's part. Oh, but I mean, they're no longer our parts. They're what we they're what we wrote sure. and performed. But um, and it worked. It worked really well with with two proper actors <laughs> being being you know just being hideous to each other. Sure. Whereas with us two, there was a slight tendency to just start shouting at each other because that's <laughs> that's what we sort of fell back on. You know what I mean? But um, it's. I think it's really funny. It's two guys, and their runner caught in a in a caravan on the side of a volcano, who are stuck there while they're filming the seventh in the series of Vulcan films. They're actors and they knew each other, and there's a lot of history between them. That's very unpleasant. <laughs> and and they get stuck there, and the set moved up and up as the avalanche, you know, as the volcano. And at the, the, the end, we were literally on a set like that, crawling up the set. Um, it's very funny, and it's really quite touching at the end as well, in a proper sort of bromance way. Yes, great. It's, it's, it's a lovely play, that. And then I've got a tour. Good, I, so I'm well, allowed to plug that something. Yes, please do. Hopefully that, yeah, my plug for the day, because I'm just astonished that it's happening. Um, after, you know, I've, as you say, I've written a lot of things and basically everything came to a halt Yes, uh, over a year ago, just all stopped. Um, but then out of the blue, something called the Northern Theatre of Comedy, Northern Comedy Theatre. This guy, um, I, I, I got to in, put in touch with him and sent him a script that everyone rejected, like, three years ago something like that it never it was it was a farce it's a just a comedy thing yeah and everybody said no you can't do that for this reason or that reason or whatever and i ha i have worked on it since so i've i have improved it sure anyway he he said oh i'll do that um it's called all above board okay and he casts it with local actors in liverpool and he's he puts it on tour and it's going to coventry and all through July, August, September. Oh, fantastic. It's an actual, an actual gig. I can't believe it. You know, <laughs> after a year of total despondency, the, the play that actually is first off the, off the marks is, is the one you'd given up on. Oh, that's You true. know, I thought, oh, no, you know, nobody want that <laughs> because they told me they didn't, you know. And, but this guy's seen how it's funny. And, and the moment someone believes in it, I've gone back and written a draft that actually is pretty funny now, I reckon. I reckon it's it's now sort of in better shape because he said, no, that's funny, don't change that bit, you know, because <laughs> he's given me the the courage, yeah. you know, because you, you need to have somebody believing in it, don't you? You do, and it's so good to hear that, you know, because, again, as a writer and, you know, it's the it's, people are mad. There are people who can get everything they write made, but most writers are writing and writing and writing, and and ninety percent of what they're doing will never, you know, really see the light of day. 
Well, so it's, do you think it's as bad as that? Yeah, it is, I think it, it probably is. Well, it is for me. <laughs> so, so it gets it's for me yeah, as I'm getting yeah. older. I'm thinking, oh, that'll never happen. But you know, it, just to even hear that, you go, oh, well, maybe someday someone will maybe go. there's hope. It yeah. just takes one person. <laughs> it is really interesting. You know, it's interesting you mentioning Paul Jackson because Paul Jackson, a couple of times in my career, has just stepped in and gone, oh no, you've got to have Richard Herring or you've got to have Leon Herring. And and it, we weren't going to be going anywhere. It just takes that one person to go. Well, you know what you think. You know, with that the whole return to us for the BBC was Paul Jackson saying, "Oh, you've got to have Lee and Herrick. What you're talking about?" And then he did the same for me on ITV and got my thing on I, the last thing I did on ITV. Oh, really? So yeah. you know, it's when you've yeah. got somebody in your corner who will who'll stand up for you. It's it's such an amazing thing to to get. But you know, it it is. It's all it's rare. It's, it's rare, and it's but it's keeping on pushing on, and that's you know. But I th- and and it's reinventing, and and not just you know. I think that's what's interesting because I think you could still have you could have just thought I, I'm gonna I'm gonna push Neil until it's really you know in the ground, <laughs> and and I think you know you, you stepped away. You really, I, I think you. I, I think, think I think you would have. I think you could you could bring it back now and people. Well, no, oh, I think sure. I think you could have done more with it, and I think pe- I think you could bring it back. But I think it's much more interesting to carry on. I was interested to, to hear that he was Neil's uh, like a massive hit in Catalonia, which I did not. Which yeah, I didn't yeah, know incredible. I had to I, it, on the street in Barcelona. I get recognised right. um, as Neil, but not from my voice because, of course, I was dubbed <laughs> by this guy. Um, who, who does it in a completely different way. So if I want people to laugh in, in, at Neil, I have to go, oh, tios. I have to talk in this completely different cartoony voice. Potserus malaria muscamoris? Like that. Mal karma. Mal karma. It's, um, it's ridiculous. But I, I went out there and did a, did a one-man show, and they, you know, which was... Semi in Catalan, I learnt some bits of Catalan, right. but then I'm not Eddie Izzard. I can't do shows in nine languages, but um, I, I did it sort of half in Catalan, and then Ivana, uh, this friend, came and does a sort of interview translation, and we we kind of linguify together, and um, yeah, it's great. It was it was good. We did. And a, another play I'd written is is really big still in Barcelona now called El Sostre. It's um, <coughs> on the ceiling, which again didn't do that well in this country. Uh, did quite well, and it went on radio. Yeah, um, it was, did okay, but not you know. But in Barcelona, the people are thinking it's great. It's a two-hander, and people just love it. It's about the Sistine Chapel. So, but again, the uh, my my getting high on thinking this is great i can relive my youth walking around the streets of barcelona <laughs> that's kind of died a bit now what with the with the lockdown it has but it did go to go to my head a bit, <laughs> i must admit and so that. do you do you like being red because it, it felt like you know from stuff i've read and heard you talking about it, it felt like that level of success that you had with the young ones became a, you know not only being beaten up in the street which wasn't directly to begin with <laughs> to do with that but uh, but being recognized and having people chatting catchphrases at you was something that's that maybe annoyed you but uh, do you do you sort of miss it or are you are you, are you glad that uh, that it's that it's moved on from that um it, there's a level at which it was really uncomfortable sure um and there's people who grab your elbow 
and won't let you. You're going somewhere. They'll grab your elbow and say, "Oi, come here, come here." He's this is it's him, you know, and you, that's really intimidating. Yeah. And I, I, I don't like that. Um, but it, it, I don't know. I've got so used to it. It, it, you know, there's been, there's actually been more of my life with that than there has without yes. that. Sure. Which is, you know, when you get old, you think, God, this is the most of my life's been like that. So I've got nothing to compare it with anymore now. Sure. Um, <laughs> it can get it can get un, un, uncomfortable, but not. I mean, it's quite nice now. I remember thinking, hey, I'm in a supermarket. It's great. I can actually get round a supermarket. And I don't know how people. I mean, maybe some people really do enjoy that constant reminder. Yeah of their job of their work uh, uh, and it's i don't really enjoy that constant reminder i like it when people have seen something obscure like i really like if you'd come up on the, to me on the street and said oh that nicholas craig do you know that really stands the test of time yeah. that's really good that is well done <laughs> you know that's just that would make my day sure. that's brilliant and you did make my day today <laughs> saying that but but um just people going like throwing snowballs at you because they think you're Neil from the young ones and it's okay to smash you on the head. You know, that's not, that's, there's not much good about that. <laughs> yes, I guess so. Uh, but, um, look, I won't take, I won't take up too much more of your time. Also, I'm getting, my connection's getting really weird. So I'm going to, Is it? yeah, I'm going, I'm just, uh, I'm, it's uh, the delay's getting almost, uh, I think it's working for everyone else, but I'm, I'm, I'm finding it difficult to uh, keep up. But uh, look, it's, I'm, I so uh, appreciate you uh, taking the time out to talk to us, and I hope everyone will go and see your play. And I hope the uh, the the uh, the science fiction one will uh, will reappear out of the ashes. Yeah, of yeah. the volcano. It's not really a science fiction no, one. Right. It's a it's an actor chap. Yes. It's a caravan yes, one. Sure, sure. It's a bitching one. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's so lovely to talk to you, and, and uh, honestly. Um, you know, all all the stuff you've done has been... I, I, I hope you appreciate uh, how much uh, the, the influence of everything you and, and, and obviously the whole of the comic strip did uh, has had on on a, on a generation of comedians, I think. You know, and I think talking yeah. to you, you realise, again, there's a lot of things, that, even in the stuff you've talked about, that presage what was to come with, with lots of other things. So it's... it's um, you know, I'd like to thank you for that personally and thank you for all that. Sitting here well, in Cheddar... Yeah. Where I had all the young ones on tapes, which I'd written VHS. on the <laughs> VHS tapes, yeah. and they just played yeah. them and played them and played them. So it's uh, it's uh, absolutely fantastic to uh, talk to you, uh, and uh, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, next well, thank week, you. Uh, I'm back in the theatre for the people at home listening at home, and uh, I'll be talking to Jeff Norcott. I've already recorded it, so it's confusing for me. Uh, but we're back in the theatre. This is the last remote one for a little while, but we might pick up the occasional one. Just for fun. But for now, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for the amazing Nigel Planer. Thank you very much. Great. See you Thank next you. week, everyone. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye. You have been listening to Rahalastapa with me, Richard Herring, and my guest. Nigel Planer, thank you to Scant Regard for this controversial but brand new theme tune which uh, will not get us doing to any kind of trouble as companies increasingly 
crack down on what they considered unlicensed music, even though we did have the rights to the previous one. This is just easier for us, so thank you to Scamp Regard. We, I'm loving the new tunes. Um, I'm indebted to my producer and friend, Chris Evans, not that one. I'm indebted to Ben Walker, of course, who's uh, been putting the ads together for us. And we'll be returning to producer duties very soon. Um, and I also would like to thank everyone at ACAS, British Comedy Guide, etc. Uh, and my mum and dad for this one genuinely for uh, allowing me to broadcast from their home. Um, when I should have been spending some time with them. Sorry for that. I've messed up uh, when I when this one was going to be and forgot I was going to check. This is a Sky Potato Fuzz and GoFastTheStripe.com production. Please go to gofasterstrike.com slash badges, become a monthly badger. You will get news about forthcoming guests before everyone else, plus badges, plus ad-free podcasts, uh, plus a membership pack with a secret code, plus access to hundreds and hundreds of extra backstage videos and other stuff that is not available. Do check out richshane.com slash gigs and come and see, come and the these last uh, live shows at the Platinum Grand. Very exciting lineup. I know you will. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. RichardHerring.com slash ballback slash tour or RichardHerring.com slash gigs for all of the information on the tour. GoFasterStripe.com for lots of downloads and books and lots of fun. Thanks for listening. Go and listen to another one. Tell your friends about the show. Tell your friends about the tour. I love you all. I'm out.